the Sober Experiment podcast by Be Sober with Alex and Lisa. Season three is sponsored by IPHM, an accreditation board for holistic therapists and training providers around the world. I'm Alex, one half of the Sober Experiment. And I'm Lisa, the other half. Oh, I do love our Wednesdays, Lisa. (laughs) (laughs) It's so funny, aren't they? What's really funny is just before we've started this podcast, we've been on the phone to each other for like an hour bashing ideas out. Yeah, we're bashing each other for not communicating things properly. (laughs) You know what? We should discuss this actually, because as much as we love each other and we always have so much fun, what people probably don't see is our absolute, like, it's like, it's like marital arguments that we have. It's also our brains don't work in the same way. So we actually sometimes doing things and think, why is that dick doing that? Oh, (laughs) we are so different. Like we really are. I just think it's incredible that not only have we been best friends since our 11, but that we actually work together successfully. <laughs> I know you, you do hear that working together destroys um, relationships and friendships. They say don't mix, mix business and pleasure, but we just have loads of pleasure with our business. <laughs> yeah, we do. And we've learned so much about each other. Like if we were drinking, we could never have worked together. Oh, well, unless we were working behind a bar like we used to. <laughs> oh, yeah, we were pretty good at that. Oh, yeah, so that's a lie. We could have worked together. <laughs> Just pissed. <laughs> uh, well, it, today we've got a bit of um, a different podcast, I think. Do you know what I mean by different? You're nodding as if to say what she's going to say. <laughs> well, you know why? Because you say it. <laughs> <laughs> this is how different we are, right? Because you're like, yeah, we've got a different podcast. I have no idea what's in your head. And because we've not done the podcast, I have no idea if it's different or not. Well, normally we kind of know a little bit more about the person we're interviewing is what I mean. We've either read a book or we're friends with them or we've spent time with them in another domain. And not always, but we've got Clemmy Telford on today. Now, we have met Clemmy on the Sober Sessions and we met Clemmy via Dave, didn't we? Yeah. And But we didn't get enough chance to talk to her properly about a sober journey because it was a really mixed group. So when I say different, I mean the same. <laughs> This podcast is the same as every other podcast we've ever done. But with Clement Telford instead. (laughs) Yeah, you're right. It's very different. (laughs) On that note, let's introduce her. Hi, Clement. Thank you so much for joining us. How are you? I'm not going to... Hello. I'm not going to let you get away with this. I wouldn't either, Oh, my. I came on and the opening line was that I look really different like on video than I do on photo it's not even like in real life it's like my moving image is different from my still image and I just cannot I do not know what to do with that information but it's one of the weirdest most funny things I've heard in a while (laughs) can we just be clear as well that it was Alex that said this not Lisa (laughs) yeah Lisa's washing her hands of this weird yeah can we also just be clear that I have no re- no rational explanation for it <laughs> I have no rational explanation for where it came from can't justify <laughs> it can't qualify it and don't even know if I mean it now but, yeah, you can't even give me any 
substance. It's, 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 it's just that sometimes just interesting that I move rather than not move. <laughs> like, I think she even said energy. shock. Did she even say shock? <laughs> <laughs> but do you know what it is, right? What happened? I, right, I am going to just go into it a little bit more and it will not make any more sense. So this is a pointless exercise, right? So you're going to dig yourself. Let's go. When, yeah. I, when I first met you, virtually met you on the sober sessions... Obviously, we met you via Sober Dave, and we've not seen, I've not seen much of you at that point. I was fairly newly sober when all that started, so I wasn't massively into looking online or anything. And Instagram and Facebook, don't even get me started. I didn't even have that until last year. So anyway, I went on, and I just, when you see people, anyone in real life, whether it be you, whether it be anyone, I just think when they speak and when they move, they look different than what their photos look. That's just generally. But then I had this same image of like, right, I'm going through your Instagram, make sure, yeah, you've got good questions, you know what you're doing, blah, blah, blah. And then when you come on, I thought, oh, that's not, that's not what I thought plenty looked like. So it happened again. I have no, I don't know why. I have no explanation for you. It's certainly no judgment. It's no criticism. And it's not a good or bad thing. You're just different than what my head tells me you look like. I know like. what you mean. <laughs> It's like I've got a couple of friends who like are locked into my head that they're blonde because they were blonde 20 years ago. And then, then you see them and you're like, oh, no, you're not. Or they've had a bob. And then my hair's a lot longer. But you don't. But say that, you actually. Your hair is a lot longer. That might be it. Your hair's grown. That's it. I'm just going to go with that. Yeah. That's it. That's it, Clemmie. You've, you've yeah, found yeah. out. <laughs> <laughs> but isn't everyone's hair longer? We've been stuck in lockdown for eternity. It's like Except if you've stuck a bowl on oh, your head. Yeah, this fringe look she cut it herself the other day <laughs> do you know what one of our members said they liked it the other day I had to cut it it was down here and I just thought well I did the little twizzly trick right. I did the twizzly trick that you, you twist your hair three times and then snip and then you separate it out and it's actually not that bad yes. yeah you've done alright you've done alright it'll grow that's a good thing about hair it grows <laughs> it does it does so can we start by just finding out a little bit about your sober journey, Clemmy, please? Yes. yes. Um, this is quite a serious subject, but I'm going to basically giggle all the way through this now. Um, I am, we just looked, didn't we? I am like one year and nine months sober. And actually I was lying in bed this morning thinking, wow, that two year mark is going to come around really soon. And I, I actually cannot believe it. And I feel especially now because it was I last drank in 2019 and the last couple of years have been so epic that that yeah. is like feels absolutely mad um, my sober journey is that I it's really hard to um, encapsulate it isn't it but I yeah started drinking at the end of my teens and partied my way through to my 20s and if I'm honest I often like drunk to a point of blackout yeah, quite often, but it's what everyone did. I'm, I think we're probably, I'm guessing, similar ages. But it was a real, like, I was the back end of the Ladette culture when like, it felt really rebellious to drink pints, to try and keep up with the boys and, and to have a good time. And I never think, didn't think anything of it because I was hanging out with a, a, a crowd that liked partying, thought it was normal. Um, and then I went into advertising for my career, which is also 
uh, work hard, play hard industry. So, you know, booze was part of my working life as well, which again, I thought was brilliant. Free bars, often, yeah, loads of free booze. And it be a massive norm to be pretty hammered in and around work. But bit by bit, I started getting these terrible, terrible, terrible anxiety driven hangovers, um, crippling really. But again, yeah, I was never sick or anything. So I just thought when people were complaining about um, hangovers, they were feeling the same as me. Yeah. But it was it was pretty high level self-loathing. And then fast forward a bit and I had, I've got three kids, they're eight, um, six and three. And actually for the bulk of my 30s, I have had patches of sobriety or relative sobriety because I was pregnant or breastfeeding. Yeah. And... And then actually, as I came off the back of my third daughter, I was like, amazing, back on the bandwagon, I'm going to be able to start drinking again properly. And I started not drinking like I had in my 20s, but drinking again. And just this, this, this it would trigger my mental health into a terrible, terrible place. But I just didn't quite match the two up. And then I reflected, actually, my lowest moments in my life have always been at a point that I was also partying pretty hard I just had never never joined the dots I thought that they were two separate things and then it got to a point where really before I'd even had that first drink I was hating myself yeah but yeah I would still do it and it's such a bizarre thing now I talk about it. it's like why did you carry on I think I mean I could just go and go on this but Especially if you come out the back of motherhood, you're so, I was so desperate to reclaim, to cling on to the earlier version of myself that I felt like alcohol was the way to do it. And at the point of giving up, I I thought I was just giving up to save my mental health, which is the, is the top line of it. But then you look back and have conversations with people and it's like, oh, I was drinking to the point of blackout. I was drinking with shame tied up in it. I was being someone that I didn't, I'm not. Like, I thought fun, drunk Clemmy was great. Mm-hmm. And I thought everyone thought she was great. Maybe I wasn't great at all. And so I think if you're, I'm sure you'll relate to this, you, people are like, oh, you're not an alcoholic. I, I, alcohol was not going to cost me my marriage and my relationship and my job. But it was pushing a lot of things pretty clo- closer to the edge than I realised. And so, yeah, I did have a problem with alcohol, I think. And But it's really interesting because I think so many people do. So that's normalised. And that's what's really the biggest thing about this journey is like, especially as we come out of this pandemic eventually, you know, I think, yeah. So there you go. That's just me talking and talking. How do you feel about coming out of the pandemic, Clemmy? Like, because, you know, we've seen online this, like, this build-up of excitement and freedom and people, you know, looking forward to that time when they can Mm. go to the pub, like we said last night, rather than see the gran. (laughs) They're, like, dead excited. So do you see a lot of that? And how do you feel about coming out of, of it? Um, yeah, I'm definitely seeing that. You know, there's the, the, that meme that went around everywhere of like people paralytically drunk in the street on June the 21st. I I'm looking forward to, of course, this being over. I'm, for me, getting the kids back to school is the thing that is going to shift everything, and I'm looking forward to 
seeing, yeah, all the things, hugging people, being near my friends and family. I don't want to go back to the old life. I don't think, I think loads of us have realised that. But I, yeah, I'm going to own this. I feel, I feel hugely grateful that I haven't been drinking in the last year because I, I haven't enjoyed it and there's been some dark times, but I have, I can now say, I'm, I've been keeping fit and I've been sober. And so I don't, you know, there's all this thing, people having to lose weight to come out of lockdown, which I don't agree with either. And people will have difficult relationships with alcohol. And I think it's going to be really scary. But yeah, I do feel proud that I've broadly, my husband would argue, I've, I've kept my head above water, just about. I, I think your journey sounds very much like mine. In fact, you said you're one year, nine months. So does that mean you got sober in June? Yeah. So did I. So I was doing the uh, May, 10th of, of May. Oh, did. oh really? Yeah, yeah, so we're kind of almost together. And I'll be two years in June. You'll be two years, a month before me. But mm. I, my stopping was for the same reasons that you've stopped. So I realised I had anxiety. Really? I, I actually had a life event but that led to anxiety. And for a while, my anxiety actually got worse when I stopped drinking. But it sounds yeah. so similar in that I've, I thought, I have no idea that alcohol was impacting everything else in my life. And like you say, you know, if somebody died, if something happened, they were the times I were partying and I put the grief and the distraught and the self-destruction down to the events rather than the fact, well, actually mm. it was the alcohol which was heightening mm. and worsening the, those events. And, and now, you know, I've dealt with quite a lot in this lot. We all have. We all have as a nation. But, you know, on a personal level, I've been through some pretty big life events over the last 12 months. And like you say, come out and actually know myself better than I've ever mm. known myself. And drinking, that would not have been the case. That would definitely no. And I think someone said to me, like, the first year of sobriety is, like, absolutely joyful. Like, I was high as a kite and shouting the top. And then the second year, you have to really stare into some of the, the hard work around it. And, yeah, I have felt all the feelings, but I think you just have to learn to sit. I mean, I definitely still shove too much chocolate in my face, but... You know, you have to find a checkout somewhere. But you do, I've had to sit in all of my own misery, anxiety, anger, frustration. But actually, if you learn to sit in it, it is much more short-lived rather than the masking that goes on with alcohol, which I think for some people will come, literally come and smack them in the face on June the 21st. You know, that that national hangover possibly, oh, it makes me really worried for people. At what yeah. point, Clement, did you think to yourself, "I, I don't want to go back to the to my old self"? Actually, when I realised I couldn't, that it didn't work. You know, I did. I had a good crack at it, and it just, the, yeah, the the anxiety was so overwhelming. The, the night the night that I stopped, I went out. I met some friends at lunchtime and we've been drinking during the day and I had two gins and I went home at nine o'clock because the self-loathing had kicked in so badly. And they went out to like four in the morning, massive night. And the next day on WhatsApp, they were like all oh, this banter and they're feeling great and laughing. I was just like, this is screwed. I am, I hate myself and I can see objectively that actually I really didn't do anything wrong last night, but I hate myself. So, yeah. so 
it, it just became unbearable, you know. And I don't know how your journey started, but I didn't mean to give up alcohol forever. I just was like, I'm going to try this for a month. And just the lights come back on and you're just like, oh, right, yeah. It's so similar. Both of us did the same. Lisa, 100 days, me, 30. And then thought, you know what? This is just too good to give up. Why would you, anyone who's experienced this out of choice, and I don't mean pregnancy because you've had three, we've all, all of us have had our three children here, so we can all relate to this. Huge periods of... That's nine children between (laughs) us. That's actually ridiculous. Populated the world. (laughs) But the, the thing is that it's like, you know, Having those children, going through those pregnancies, going through breastfeeding, you think you've got drink under control because you're not drinking during that. Oh, I can give it up because look, I'm pregnant. I've not drunk. Oh, I've not drunk for nine months. I've not got a problem. But actually, when you give up out of choice, not a dry January, not a sober October, not a pregnancy, but give up to give it a go because you want yeah. to see what sobriety is like. It's a whole different experience, I think. Do you agree? I couldn't agree more, partly because for me, I think if I'm honest, a lot of why I kept drinking was for, to conform with social expectation. And so when you have to start owning it and going, and and to caveat that, actually, once people know you are serious, I've, people don't give you stick. I really think that because that's yeah. such a blocker for people. They really don't. People really don't care. Actually, people are completely there for their own purposes, fair enough. And people always say to me, oh, do you feel like you're not invited to things? And it's like, if there are a few people I think probably don't, weren't inviting me to stuff because I don't drink. And that's, they aren't my friends then, you know. The thing when you get sober is your time is so precious. I can't fake having a good time. So therefore, I'm not going to go somewhere where I'm not going to have a good time. And it's really simple. Um, yeah. If I have to rely on a couple of glasses of Prosecco to get me in the mood, then then I'd rather just stay at home. Not anymore. To be honest, right now I'd go to anything anyway. Yeah, like <laughs> the opening of an envelope. It's Can so I ask true, you that? Yeah, quite Are literally. Climate. Because your like, your drinking to me sounded like I really resonate with it. The self loathing, mm. the waking up the next day, I hated myself. I could, mm. when you were saying it, I could feel it rising mm. in me how I used to feel. And like you, I wouldn't have ever really done anything that was that far out, but I just mm. hated myself. Do you still suffer from anxiety around? Uh, uh, I do, but it's. I don't hate myself like and you just realize to put yourself through that on a weekly monthly bi-weekly basis of literally loathing yourself is so bad for you like it's such a cruel thing to inflict on your brain isn't it um no because I know what I've said and done I know that it's like yeah that's the thing even though I didn't I mean in my 20s I did some stuff I wouldn't have been proud of but in my later years, if I was a little bit too lippy, I just don't even want to be that person that's slightly gossipy or says a little bit more yeah. than I want or a little bit more. I want to be measured and know exactly what comes out of my mouth. And and so, yeah, I do. I will, I will always suffer with anxiety when thing, the going gets tough and I get overwhelmed. But yeah, it's not, it's like it, it dictated my entire life for quite a long time. And it, I, and only when I'm sitting here reflecting, thinking, wow, I'm really out of the day to day, like shackles of that, which is amazing. 
Yeah, you are the same, weren't you, Lisa? So I, like what I've just said to you a second ago, that you remind me of me in many ways. I didn't get the morning after hating myself. I was the person who was in the WhatsApp group going, oh, my God, blah, blah, blah. Really? I'd have been oh, person. she loved it. It was awful. She and, was getting the pictures and everything. I'd be yeah. like, throwing oh, my no. <laughs> and, and But Lisa was very much like you. She'd be like, I've deleted it. I don't want to see it. Don't send me anything. Don't send it me, Alex. I don't want to know. I don't want to know. And, and I'd be like, yeah, but it's, it's, you've done nothing wrong. There's nothing that bad, I promise. But I don't want to know. She had these, like... It's horrible, it? I can feel it. Yeah, I was making my whole body crawl. <laughs> so I think you're quite a blend, really, of, like, how a sober journey. But I think the, the the bits about, you know, the friendships, that's quite an important point, I think, because people have this fear around giving up and thinking everybody's going to outcast them and that's it. And with me, personally, and I know with you, Lisa, at first, people did say, oh, come on, just have one. Or, you know, well, why are you not drinking? Or didn't believe you would carry it on. But as soon as you sort of say, look, this is for the long haul, take me or leave me, and you've got that confidence, those that leave you, you're glad. You're glad they've left you because yeah. you, you don't want that toxic nature in your life no and I, I tell this story a lot but about a year ago I, my one of my best mates Laura texted me and said Clemmy I want you to know that you are more fun now than you've ever been on a night out and that like maybe it like it's one of the, the best things that I've like anyone's ever said to me because I thought I was being fun but I, was, I wasn't being me and like you know as you know the joy of being sober is if you have a night out and you're you have those belly laughs they're for real you know the banter's for real and it's like it's such a gift and I think this is completely made up but I think you get better your body gets better at producing that kind of serotonin I'm getting better at, at finding the natural highs now and getting high off everybody else like there's nothing better when if everyone else is tipsy then you really do sometimes feel quite tipsy yourself don't you and it's really it's really it's really bizarre it's yeah, so it's lovely. Fun. I remember a time with um, me and mum, because my mum stopped drinking about when I got to 100 days, she was like, I want some of that. So she's sober now too, which is just incredible. And we were really bad. We used to go for family meals and I'd be like, oh, I'll let the kids have a day off tomorrow. Grandma's day off, we used to call it. How bad's that? Like we'd get drunk on a Sunday and then they'd go, oh, can we right have grandma's Monday. day off? Like, but when... I know, it's really bad, isn't it? Like, they loved it. I get it. Like, oh, once a year, you can have it, but I'm sure it happened more. But <laughs> we're, we're right now. Anyway, enough, enough of that. <laughs> we went out for a meal when we were both sober, and me and my mum was there, and we had, like, non-alcoholic lagers, and we were laughing so much. And I remember the kids looking at each other, and they were just like are you sure there's no alcohol in them? And we just looked at each other and the joy of just thinking, you know, yeah. we can show yeah. them that you can have this incredible time and real, like, real belly laugh more than ever. Because if you think about it, when yeah. you're drunk, you're just like, a lot of the time, you're just pretending to laugh, aren't you? Like, ha, oh. yeah. <laughs> It's not even real, well, is The window it? is so small. Like, there's a, there was a bit of being drunk that is just like the bit, but it is, so short-lived and then after that you're you're just I don't know it's just like it's just once you step away from it it's utterly bizarre it's just this liquid like a toxic <laughs> liquid that we all pour down our throats 
It's mad, isn't it? And we dress oh. it up so much and we and we put all like everything onto this drink. We give it so mm. much credit and we, we choose to have a Especially more expensive one and judge people if they don't. <laughs> study out the other week and something it was a huge thing on the internet on, on Instagram anyway and it was saying that wine is proven to improve your um, I think it was something to do with your health but I think it was cholesterol anyway but um, they said against other other alcohols like cider and beer wine's the best so I was like right do we all know that cider lager beer spirit wine it's all ethanol so if, if that was the case, then surely you'd see these health benefits across the different alcohols. Oh, let me get this right. Are you saying that the hops and the apples stop the alcohol working? Hmm? It's like, like, it's the grapes, it's the grapes. Tell you what's better for your cholesterol is not drinking, getting up, doing some exercise, not eating hungover food. That'll, that'll do it. It's just like... Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's crazy. It's utterly, it? it's utterly bizarre. And I, I always think, like, with you know, with that kind of Ladette culture that we were, you know, the generation of, I now think that this, like, feels like a massive act of rebellion. Like, people yes. think that sobriety is a missing out. It's like, no, guys, I don't want to be you. I don't want to drink. Like, yeah, I, I feel like I've absolutely... Like nailed it. We went. I went away with friends in the window when that was the sort of thing you could do last summer. And I just thought, as we came back from holiday, that part of that crash that you get back from holidays because you spent a week drinking. So like, oh, yeah. there is no, there's no crash after the good times. I just go, that was a good time, and then straight away the next day, I feel great. It's not kind of either or on, yeah, a good time, and then the, the implications of it. Our Jo was saying, and she's two years sober today. By the time this comes out, it will be a bit longer. But yeah, happy sober verse for Jo when you're listening, if you listen. I don't think she listens to us, does she? She doesn't. She keeps wanting to come on and be like, no, you don't even listen to him, Jo. She she was saying she did her first her first kind of holiday away was a hen party and everybody was drinking and she was sober and she came back and on the day did a big 5K run. And like, you know, you, you wouldn't That's have had a how many times do we hear, oh, I need a holiday to recover from a holiday? You know, like, what are we doing? I, I, I This is judgmental. I'm not even going to lie. I am judging completely here. But I do look at people now and I think, it's quite sad. And I don't mean this in a judge way. I don't mean you're a sad person. Genuinely mean. It's a sad thing that what you're looking forward to is getting drunk outside of your house. Because you've been getting drunk through the lockdown. Now you want to go and get drunk outside of your house. It's what... What is wrong that we are a society of people who can't live without substances? What has happened to Do us? you not think, it's though? It's like so, somebody said yesterday, it's a lot more about the connection and people haven't yeah. been connected. So the UK is known, isn't it, for drinking and going... We associate alcohol with with connecting with connection, people. Yeah. So I kind yeah. of think... I do get that, it. I do get yeah. it. What I'm saying yeah. We can do that in a coffee shop. We can do that in a park. We can do that in a bowling alley. Nobody's talking mm. about doing those things. Nobody's talking about I'm visiting doing those, bowling. Um, <laughs> bowling alley. Do you know what I mean? Nobody's Just you're desperate to go bowling. I, I don't yeah. do You can't wear to put on little shoes. <laughs> <laughs> you don't have to wear them anymore. It's a COVID issue. You don't have to wear them. 
Honestly, they don't make you wear them anymore. I know because I go bowling. All right, you you're probably not allowed like to put your fingers in the balls no. anymore. Right. Well, they might, that's a point. Maybe you have to wear that gloves. That sounded worse than 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 it. <laughs> Lisa wants to put her fingers in the balls, and I just oh, go stop bowling. It. <laughs> but anyway, can I just say that nobody's talking about those. Whatever your sober activity is, whether it's bowling or otherwise, <laughs> if it was purely about connection, then surely we should be just talking about meeting up and going and doing things. Mm. We watched um, the documentary on Amazon the other night, uh, A Royal mm. Hangover, and it was so poignant. It's quite oh. an old documentary. It's like 2013. But watch it if you've not seen it. it there were such poignant moments mm-hmm. in there. And, you know, I just, we are a booze nation. We are booze Britain. And it just shows that Britain must be hugely depressed because all we're doing is numbing out real life. We yeah. numb it out as a society. Mm. It's very sad. Yeah, it is. Like someone wrote a piece for my blog, which was like, not liking alcohol is one of the the most unpopular opinions you can have like rightly you know racism homophobia all of that is no longer appropriate but if you dare suggest that you don't want to have a drink on a lunchtime you're like shunned and it's just like number one for loads of people with religious reasons and the thing I always say is when I was drinking I assumed that everybody was drunk and actually in any given moment you've got people with health problems or mental health problems or pregnant or sober you know loads of people are aren't but you just see the whole world through that lens when that's what your priority is and more and more so let's talk about your blog and onto your writing because you've got a book out now I have, I have. I'm going to do the picture. That was me prepping myself. Um, I've got a book called But Why, which is how to answer tricky questions from kids by having honest conversations with yourself. It's out in May. And I signed the book deal in April 2020. And I don't know what I thought that book was going to be, but to spend 2020 asking yourself, like, what is love? What what is God? What happens when people die? Why do I have difficult feelings? Why do people get drunk? Is one of the questions. Um, and so I went and I spoke to a load of experts. Experts both in terms of their job, but experts by experience, and tried to like get get well, my series do something. Yeah, I kind of crowdsource the answers as well as my own answers as a mum of three, and just give us give some pointers of where to start because. Oh, well, when I was a parent, I thought I was going to nail this bit. And then the reality is you have a kid and they ask you, like, what happens when people die? But they do it a Tuesday night when you want to have dinner. Yeah, you're like, are we really doing this chat? Because I really haven't got the energy. And, and like, these are the big things that suddenly it's like, I actually don't know what the answer to this is. And you don't want to say something quickly and you don't want to not say something. And so it's, it's provided a framework for doing that. Um, yeah, it, it was an existential crisis. There's no two ways about it. Climate <laughs> but, is genius. Like, I think it's genius. I do. Like, everybody should have that. You are going to save so many parents' jobs. Like, instead of just going, because you just die, all right, it'll be like, get the book off the shelf. Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah. it's like, you don't tell them that they're sleeping. Don't tell them that they're, like, oh, whoever's gone to sleep. No, because then they're never going to want to go to bed again. And it's oh, just like... Oh, yeah. Yeah, they call it the eternal sleep, and and, and I've done. I've got a four-year-old, and he asks. We'll know if you've got a three-year-old. He asks some bizarre questions, and one of them is like, you know, what? When will I die? He's asked me. When will I die? Well, you know, like 
first of all, let's address what, what do you mean by die? Does he actually mean die? Does he know what die means? And it opens up this massive thing where you just start doubt, doubting how good of a parent you actually are. I'm sure well, my other two didn't ask that. Maybe I just ignored them because I was drunk. <laughs> <laughs> you joke or you gave them. But also the thing that it's taught me is that we need to have, we're in an era where the person that shouts loudest on the internet is the person whose opinion that we hear. Yeah. And it, and it is and it's really overwhelming. And alcohol is a prime example of that. Like you just go along with the majority, with the majority, with the majority. And then you have to go, actually, what do I think? What are my beliefs on this? And be prepared to stand by them and also be prepared to change your mind. You know, I was in in the lens of alcohol, I would have once been definitely I used to drink in front of my kids and thought it was a laugh. And now I'm swayed so far the other way. And yeah, you just, yeah, it's just stopping and thinking and being honest and and being prepared to keep learning. I hope it's useful. It was yeah, an unbelievable undertaking. I don't know what I was thinking. And is it out this May? Yeah, May the twenty seventh, but it's available to pre order now. Brilliant! I'll be doing that when we get off this call. Genuinely, I'm going to get that. Yeah, you're going to have that. Yeah, are you having an audio version? Yeah. I'm lucky not having a video version because apparently I don't look quite the same. <laughs> <laughs> nobody will recognise you from your book anyway. Uh, don't worry about it, Claire. You'll be fine. You'll be walking down the street and people will say, oh, no, no, that's not her. She's moving. <laughs> I don't honestly want to you. I really hope I haven't caused you to overthink that, like, forever. Because yeah, I, I swear. No, I just think it's the most weird that. thing. I am a bit weird. I am a bit weird. <laughs> Yeah, um, say no, it. I don't. Honest conversation. Yeah, maybe you should put a chapter in your book. Like you look different on camera than you do on a photograph. But why? <laughs> oh, oh, Clemmy, thank so you funny. so much. It's been so lovely to speak to you. And honestly, I really, really love the idea of this book. I'm going to get it. My eldest is 22, um, and I think I might sit with her. Like, any questions that we didn't answer yeah. growing up? But um, yeah, so everyone should have it. Can't be look massively surprised when you said she was twenty two. I've just got to say, Lisa was a young mum, and the, and it didn't. I wasn't explain. that young though. Well, you were. How, how young were you? How old are you? I was. Oh God, <laughs> I was nineteen when I had Beth, so I'm like yeah. forty one now. So I'm. I, I was. I was young, but I weren't like twelve. I just I, had. I, a, I didn't say you were underage, mum. <laughs> No, and even if you were, that would be fine. It's just like you're parenting an actual teenager. An actual and, adult. And, yeah, and also, that, to be fair, of all, like, it's been really hard on our school-age kids, but um, or primary school-age kids, but they are they're going into a weird old world, aren't they? It's really oh, rough for them. Oh, crazy. My son has just turned 18 in January, and I just, you know, I feel so so sorry for them they just mm. they can't meet up they can't go out they can't it's just like such a and I just can't imagine how, how we'd have felt at that age and this you know and um, I can see and the mental health is like it's that's just a whole nother story isn't it? it it's massive isn't it Lisa because you know it, I've got I've got two teenagers as well as the four-year-old and my 15 year old was supposed to be sitting his GCSEs this year and people are saying oh you know let's not let's cancel the exams it had a huge impact he's he's worked all his life for those GCSEs and the, his opportunity to 
For some people, it's like, oh, well, I don't have to do my exams, but his opportunity to demonstrate his ability in the way of an exam for him, I'm not saying it's right for everyone, but yeah, for him, he's on he's the other end. Yeah, I've got I've got some of his friends, you know, I've got um, friends who are parents of, of other children in his year group and they're like, oh my goodness, thank God, it's going to be class-based assessed because mm. she's better in classroom than exams or he's better in classroom than exams. But, you know, it, it's it's affected everybody. It's just so sad, it really mm. is. It's, yeah, and, and, and of course, loads of it will shift over the next six months, but the, the, the long-tail effect of it all, you know, similar to you, I've got my three-year-old it's been a third of her life I mean yeah. oh, gosh, <laughs> it's just, yeah. just the most mad thing like masks and distancing and yeah I mean we all know it's it's been absolutely wild but you know what there is a light at the end of the tunnel so we've got to be grateful for that yeah and I think in the meantime if everybody and I'm going to say it again but if everybody buys your book then they're going to have all the answers to all these tricky questions going <laughs> forward anyway yeah I hope so well, some of them. I've done a bit. I mean, I can't. You can't hand over the rest of it to to me. But I've done a chunk of it for you. Oh, I'm excited. I'm excited for it. So, yeah. Um, as Lisa says, thank you. thank you so much for taking your time to come on and so on. If you just hang on for a second at the end as well, because sometimes people just disappear and we're like, oh, they've gone. <laughs> <laughs> it's always weird. I do but with my own, like, with my own money. Like, is this the end end or just the end? <laughs> it's just the end. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, see I'll hang you. On. Speak to you soon. Bye. Mm -hmm. Bye.